Welcome to Sports Cars, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your hosts, Chet Kovic and Lester Munson. Time to talk about the NBA. Where is David Stern going? Where the NBA players are going? And we're going to do it with the best man in the business, my good friend, legal expert, Lester Munson from ESPN. How are you doing, everybody? I'm Chad Kopic. Welcome to Sports Court. Sports Court, of course, brought to you away by my great friends at American Taxi, Chicago's premier primetime suburban taxi service. When you want uh, quality, comfort, reliability at the fair price, if you're in the suburbs and you're headed toward O'Hare, Midway, or whatever your destination happens to be, remember, always ride with American Taxi. Lester, uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, David Stern. He's been commissioner of the NBA since uh, the uh, Peloponnesian War. Uh, that being said, uh, is Stern crazy enough, and does he have enough hawkish owners to go dark for a full year? Uh, Chet, as amazing as it sounds, I think it is possible. Uh, ever since the National Hockey League locked out the players for an entire season, every commissioner and every owner in professional sports has been looking on that episode with considerable envy. Uh, it was Stern's protege, Gary Bettman, who engineered the season-long lockout in the National Hockey League. Both he and his owners think that was a very advantageous thing for them. Would Stern uh, deliberately try to do that? I don't think he would be deliberate about it, but right now he's asking the players to take a $2 billion hit over a six-year contract, and if he's going to stay with that position, they could easily have a lockout halfway into the season or maybe even the full season. What kind of uh, salary decreases will we be talking about with the players if they took, uh, hypothetically, a a $1.5 billion hit? If they took a $1.5 billion hit over six or seven years, that would be a, a cut in the average salary of probably a third in the bigger salaries, maybe as much as 40%. Mm -hmm. The journeyman players who are at the minimum or who are slightly under a million dollars per season, I don't think they would get hurt. But the big stars would suffer cuts of a third to 40%. All right, my friend. um, Who is the strong man among the players? I know Derek Fisher is their, uh, uh, their representative, the uh, kid from the Los Angeles Lakers. But is there one particular player who could... uh, Oh, shall we say, uh, either bring the rival parties together or come up with a stance that is so uh, uh, vehemently in opposition to the owners that uh, he could force uh, uh, a prolonged lockout, which would lead to a, a full-blown one-year labor stoppage. I'm not sure there is such a player right now. Uh, Derek Fisher, for if, all... If Jordan was around, would he be the man? He would certainly be the man. No, no question about it, as he was uh, in the late 90s. But... Tim Duncan, somebody like that? No, I don't think so. Derek Fisher, from all the reporting I've done, is a very strong leader. He understands everything that's going on at the bargaining table. He's extremely bright. The lawyers for the NBA can do all of their fancy footwork. They're not going to fool him. Billy Hunter, uh, who is the staff leader, the executive director of the union, he probably is not as quick mentally as Derek Fisher, but he's no slouch. Hunter was a great prosecutor mm-hmm. in California. He's been on the job long enough that he's no longer intimidated or impressed by anything the owners do. He understands what the player's interest is. So I think the players are in good hands with Fisher and Hunter. It would be nice if they had a a superstar like Jordan who could come into the negotiation 
and change everything. But I don't think there is such a person. Do you remember back in 98, 99, during negotiations, when uh, Jordan said to uh, Abe Paulin, the owner of the uh, Washington Wizards, Abe, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't have a team? Yeah, right. <laughs> Only Michael Jordan can get away with that. I mean, yeah. Abe, if Abe would have had uh, daggers for eyeballs, Michael right. wouldn't be with us right now. And he does that to Abe Poland, who, if anybody was an owner who cared about his players, Abe Poland was the guy. Most owners view players as expendable furniture. Mm-hmm. Poland liked his players and was, in many cases, very nice to him, and so Jordan takes him on. Hi, my friend. Uh, I want to bring it uh, down to a, a local level with the uh, Chicago White Sox uh, and that uh, the ongoing uh, uh, internecine uh, fraternal war between uh, Kenny Williams and Ozzie Guillen or uh, a lousier with Adam Dunn, Alex Rios, and whether or not uh, Gordon Beckham is ever going to get his head out of the uh, out of the clouds, Luster, their box office is going to be down roughly two hundred thousand this year. Uh, they're barely going to finish above uh, two million paying customers with a payroll of one hundred and twenty-seven million bucks. Uh, if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, you tell me right now how angry you are. That's the kind of thing that Jerry Reinsdorf would notice first. We know that about him. He's a very shrewd and cunning owner. As loyal as he has been to people whom he hires, this is the kind of number that he is not going to accept. So something is going to have to give. Uh, We know Ozzy is getting ready to move. Uh, He expects to be gone. Ken Williams, the time may have come for him. You know, Chet, these guys have been on the honeymoon since the 2005 World Series. If Mm -hmm. you win the World Series in four straight, you're going to work in baseball for a few years. But that time may now have come to an end. You know, when people say Ozzie Guillen is the face of the franchise, um, and he is, and I like Ozzie. I've known him since he uh, joined the ball club as a player back in uh, 85, if I'm not mistaken. It's not like the face of the franchise is creating a box office frenzy. No, I I, I mean, if anything so. right now, Lester, the White Sox have become the worst thing you can be in sports. Irrelevant. They are, and, and people don't care uh, what's going on. Uh, even when they had that little rally a few weeks ago, the attendance remained, uh, it was totally flat. Nothing happened. There was no response. Uh, when when you're the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, and you know that in your market people don't care about you anymore, you're going to have to do something, and it has to be fairly dramatic. My friend, uh, I want to touch on one point that you and I were talking about as we uh, drove over to uh, the Levy Studios here today, and that is the uh, proposal from this group uh, on what uh, college athletes should be paid, and uh, their survey indicated that uh, uh, Duke basketball players should be paid $1 million per year per player. Not bad. Plus, you get a diploma. (laughs) From Duke. (laughs) This is an amazing study. What they did is they took college basketball and college football, put them in the same uh, business model as professional football and professional basketball. They figured out if these players brought in this kind of money to their team, how much they should be paid. Uh, It's a totally radical thing. It was done by a former UCL linebacker by the name of Ramogi Huma, (laughs) and he had some professors helping him. It's a fascinating study, but it does, as unrealistic as it may be, it does raise the point, why are we not doing something for student-athletes who play men's basketball and football. They are not even getting enough money to meet their expenses as a student. The scholarships fall short of the mark, and they are bringing in enough revenue to uh, finance all the other teams. Instead of paying them, 
We have coaches making $5 million. We have University of Michigan spending $300 million on a stadium to expand from 107,000 to 111,000. They had to have those 4,000 seats. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it, th- there's that, nothing. That, that was imperative. To, oh, to, I, Michigan could not, the Michigan economy could not have survived without those. Forget General Motors. Get the 4,000 skybox seats in the big house. Um, but the, the, with the stadium money and the coaches' money, I don't know how college sports could be more out of whack than they are right now. You know, what bothers me right now about uh, college football in particular is this, Lester. There is going to have to be, in my opinion, sometime over the next four or five years, some type of uh, post-career insurance provided for players in the event it's determined that they sustain some type of head injury which leads to uh, post-concussion, leads to uh, dementia, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to have to be done. I mean, uh, you can't continue to treat these kids like cattle. It should be done. It should have been done a long time ago. These college players have no union to make the demand upon the NCAA. It's something that obviously should be done, and you know that the NCAA and the schools in the football bowl subdivision, they will fight that tooth and nail because they want the money for coaches, athletic directors, bowl people, and all the usual uh, all the usual people who are profiting from college football. Uh, meanwhile, Lester, uh, this just in, uh, buy your Cub 2012 World Series tickets early. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the year, Chet. He is Lester Munson, legal expert, ESPN. I'm Chet Kopik. This has been Sports Court. Brought to you by my great friend John Coyne and the wonderful people over at American Taxi. Remember, American Taxi, Chicago's finest suburban taxi service. It just doesn't get any better than American. Catch you next time around. So long, everybody.